Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and super excited to have with me today. And I so I so meant to ask you, like, pronouncing your last name. So it's Diane, is it Petrella? You got it. Petrella. All right, good, good. I always mean to do that, I, and I do that the majority of the time, but we just discovered, I just realized, you're my 100th episode. Yes, that is so cool. I'm so <laughs> excited about that. Have balloons and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for being here with me, and thank you for being the 100th. That's really awesome. I love that. Good <laughs> for us, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's celebratory kind of stuff. So you are a licensed psychotherapist, yeah. and um, yeah, you, you, I'm reading through this ebook that you had sent me, which I just think is phenomenal, and I'm going to read it only because my menopause brain can't remember all of it, but Shed Your Pounds of Protection. Seven Powerful Weight Loss Tools for Survivors of Childhood Sexual Abuse. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, yeah, so talk to us about the work you're doing. I will. Um, I'm going to start with when I first started my career so many decades ago now, over 30 years ago. I was originally trained as a child therapist. I no longer work with kids and teenagers. I see only adults now. I was orig originally trained as a child therapist, and I and somebody else, at this point it was in the 80s, and sexual abuse was just beginning to be, well, like it is now, there's a resurgence in terms of the Me Too movement, but back then, um, well, I and another colleague started the first child sexual abuse treatment program in Rhode Island. So I worked with children, teenagers, incest families, I ran an offenders group, I ran mothers groups, non-offending parents groups. So the bulk of my work was in general trauma, but specifically child sexual abuse. And then over the years, I just stopped working with children. I always had the trauma have, the trauma expertise, but I do do other kinds of things now. Brief bereavement, um, relationship challenges, um, anxiety, depression, whatnot. But at the same time, the expertise that I have is in sexual abuse. And I wanna share a story of when I first um, recognize this connection between, well, I want to say people who've experienced childhood trauma, physical abuse, sexual abuse, research says that there's a 50% increase in food addiction issues later on in life. And mainstream weight loss approaches don't really, and maybe that's not their place, but don't necessarily address that piece. So when I was first working with children, I remember um, so poignantly this one, one of my first little girls that I was working with who was sexually abused by her father. And she talked about putting on blankets and, you know, an extra blanket or wearing her pajamas and a nightgown. 
Um, she and other, I remember some other kids talking about maybe putting on a couple pair of underpants. So it was their way of trying to protect themselves, obviously from the inevitable. It was their way of trying to stay safe. And, you know, this applies obviously more to incest situations um, rather than sexual abuse from people outside of the family where you're not, you know, these children were not safe in their own families. And then sometime after that, I was also working with um, adult victims of sexual abuse at the time. And a woman who was seeing me referred by a dietitian actually for weight issues shared the same thing or something similar when she was a child. And it dawned on me, extra weight, extra pounds was just another level of, oh. it was that fear they were experiencing when they were a child. So blankets and pajamas and nightgowns transformed into layers of physical protection with extra weight and layers of skin and fat. So that's when it first struck me that, wait a minute, there is so much more going on for me to help this woman and other clients that I would meet with who wanted to develop a more connected relationship with their bodies and to, uh, for those who wanted to release weight as well wow very powerful that's very powerful when i think of this one little girl um i'll call her susie uh, it still sometimes brings tears to my eyes you know that yeah your own home where you're supposed to be the safest and protected by the, the people that are supposed to protect you they or he or she is the person that you need to protect yourself from Right. It's very, very profound. Yeah. I just talked about this on the, um, on the podcast the other day, but it, it just seems to fit here. One of the things that I remember when I was about 10 um, was I wasn't bathing. I wasn't showering. I, was, I, I, I was, wasn't cleaning myself because in mine in therapy, it came out. That was my way of like, almost like a blanket of dirt, a blanket of grossness, a blanket to keep these predators because I had been repeatedly molested by various predators. And I didn't, didn't know what I was doing to keep it coming at me. <laughs> and so I, I just stopped. And I remember my parents, you know, you need to bathe, you need to shower, you know, and a nun tell me I was gross and nobody liked me because I was dirty. And it was just, but I, I think of that same thing, just a blanket of protection. That's right. Against it. So yeah, very powerful. Wow. All right. So what's, um, what are you doing to, to help people? I, I was on your Facebook page and I love um, what you're doing there. I love that you have what, like 12,000 followers, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, talk to us more about that. Well, that's a more general page for um, holistic wellness. I don't only talk about sexual abuse. I don't only post about um, the child you know, abuse and weight and body image issues there. So I will share that I do have a private Facebook group that it's not advertised because it's considered, well, they've updated their group listings, but it was started as a secret group. It's still a private group. And that's for people who've been on my newsletter list um, who have been sexually abused as children and are dealing with weight loss and body image issues. So I do that too. It's just not public. So I have two different all right. So if somebody connects through your website, um, which is dianepetrella.com, yes? Yeah, yes. And uh, they can sign up for your newsletter. And then if they feel they want to connect with that, they can. 
Yeah, what they do for that, um, I try to, that isn't really the right word, but, um, and the people in the group prefer that I do this this way, rather than anybody just allowing people to join. Sure. It goes through me. You know, I want to keep it very boundaried and protected so that, yes, people can go to my website. Um, on the sexual abuse page, they can click or put in their email address to download the ebook that you talked about. And they can email me at diane at dianepetrella.com for information about the private Facebook group. I will send okay. them some information so they can make an informed decision about joining it. Yes. And then I would add them to the group. So little, it is a little bit more of a process than a general Facebook page. But. Right. Well, and I think that gives some comfort to anyone that might right. want to join is that it, it is a process to, to become a part of it. So exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So any myths or facts that you would like to clarify for listeners? Mm. Um, yeah. I think one is that the world is a dangerous place. I get that there are places in this world that are dangerous. I'm not so privileged that I, you know, I get that and there are, but most of us in our daily life, we live in a safe world. There are more safe places than dangerous places. There are more kind people than cruel people. Yes. But when you're raised in a family, whether it's your nuclear family or extended family or teachers or camp counselors or whoever may have abused you when you were a child, your world is a scary place. Your world is a dangerous place. And kids generalize into the world, onto the world at large, um, beliefs based on those early experiences. So yeah, it does feel like the world is a dangerous place, but it isn't. And part of healing is learning how to surround yourself with people who you feel are safe and trusting and have your back. Um, your, your brain may not know this. Children, all children's brain development is based on, or all of, all of our um, early experiences affect brain development. When you're traumatized, and you know this from the ACEs work, right. when you traumatize, oh, I was going to mention about Dr. Felitti's work too, but um, when you're traumatized as a child, it affects your brain functioning so that your amygdala becomes overactive and is hypervigilant to threats. So manageable situations may feel unmanageable. Normal stressful situations you may feel overwhelmed by. So part of healing is learning to calm your dysregulated nervous system, calm your body, clear your mind, so that you can perceive the world in a more realistic, in a more realistic way. Yes. And when children are sexually abused, they often, there may be, um, it can affect your self-protective skills or self-protective mechanisms so that what is really dangerous, you may not see as dangerous. What is safe, you may not trust as safe. So part of healing is also um, learning how to be more trusting in yourself as well so you can better assess those kinds of situations. Yes. Um, I was going to mention about Dr. Felidi's work who is in, you know, from We Met on ACES Connection. Right. Um, he was the originator of the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire. And that all started in an obesity clinic at Kaiser Permanente in California, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm not exactly sure of the dates. 
And he found that, or they, his group, found that um, a large number of people started dropping out of, it was a medical weight loss program. And of the people who dropped out, a large number of them had been sexually abused. They dropped out not because they weren't losing weight, they dropped out as they were successful. And it was through his interviewing them and, and realizing there's something deeper here. He also is, has been a great resource in bringing this issue out, um, you know, in more, more domain so people can see the connection. Yeah, for sure. Now, extra weight is a solution to a problem. So when you're wanting to release weight, there are other things to put in place around calming your nervous system, identifying what your fears are, identifying what it means to let go of some of the weight because part, one of the things that happens and people may not be conscious of it necessarily is that as you start to create a, um, a slimmer body, anxieties might surface and you may not even be aware of that. Some people are, they may surface because of fears of um, being approached in a sexual way, fear, fear of harm. They may surface around one thing that's interesting is that as people start to feel more powerful, that sometimes is a trigger. Um, maybe I'm getting a little bit more in the weeds here, but for some children who are sexually abused, they feel both powerful and powerless at the same time. So as adults, power takes on some confusing, uh, it feels confusing because on the one hand, a child is powerless to stop what's happening. For some children, this is more particularly with incest, situations, even extended family, on some level they know that if they tell, they could break up their family or their parents' mm -hmm. divorce. So they feel powerful in a very distressing way. So the adult, as they start to lose weight, a lot of these fears may, may surface. And that's okay. It's just an opportunity to heal and grow. Right. Wow. You just kind of blew me away a little there because, again, I was just talking about this, that the first time I was molested when I was five, he, there was a 16-year-old neighbor and told me he would kill my mom. Um, oh, and wow. so I, that's the, I've never looked at it that way before, that I had this power that I didn't know what to do with. That's right. Um, yeah, wow. So sorry that happened to you. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah. Um, and Ace as well. I'm, again, I just the Ace's connection, I just sing the praises of that space because it's – uh, filled with so many amazing people such as yourself who are, you know, researchers and therapists and uh, survivors and advocates. And it's just a wonderful place to, um, yeah, find resources, but also find support and understanding. And yeah, really awesome. So um, another question. Oh, one of the things that, that popped into my head when you were talking was I loved in the ebook when you talked about the wording of an, an and I'm not going to quote you exactly, but not wanting to, um, like the exercise, it was about, I want to lose weight. Oh, yeah. It was Release just versus lose. Yeah. So talk yeah. about that for a second. Oh, I'd love to. When we read about weight loss, it's loss. Weight loss, people talk about wanting to lose weight. That's mainstream language, and I get that. Um, but when you think about, the difference between losing something 
you lose something, you want to try to find it. Losing something often brings up some negative feelings, a sense of um, sadness, perhaps. Release is gentle. It's more of a sense of ease and flow. So what I do in my office, and, and I did this on my Facebook page, actually, and for listeners now, if they would like to do this exercise, it's super powerful. Yeah. Because our words are so powerful. Every word we speak has a corresponding physiological effect on some level, even if we're not fully aware of that. So I suggest to people to kind of get, get calm, sit in a comfortable position and close their eyes. And then say to yourself, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. Right. I want to lose weight say perhaps three times. And notice the sensations in your body. Notice what it feels like to say that. Then clear that out of your mind. Just breathe, sell yourself, kind of clear that part out. And then say to yourself, closing your eyes and noticing the, sens the sensations in your body, I want to release weight. I want to release weight. And notice what that feels like. Most, wow. most everyone I've done this with will say what I kind of mentioned earlier, that um, lose brings up perhaps some tension in their body. It sounds icky. I think somebody once said, it feels hard. It feels... Um, I felt discouraged. Discouraged, yes. That's, that's, that's what popped in okay. we, as we went through this, because I was doing it in my head. Yes. And what about with release? Uh, I felt, um, oh, what was the word? Hold on. It just went out of my head. Um, I, 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 oh, I'm so losing it. But I, I felt a relief, a relief. I relief think. is a big one. Yeah. Yes. People may feel a sense of ease, relief, calm, yeah. hopeful. Yeah. So even though, so I suggest to people when you talk about your weight release journey, and especially with like-minded people, use the word release you're not necessarily going to do that all the time, depending on the context and whatnot, but it's uh, a great exercise. It really shows the power of our words, the power of our language. Yes, I think about it differently can help it may become a less hard and difficult journey. Just thinking about different, thinking about it differently can make it a lighter journey. Actually, it's part of my business is living lightly in mind, body and spirit yeah. and language we use help, so let's live a little more lightly. Yeah. And I, and I thought, you know, again, I think visually. And so when I lose something, I'm frantic about it. Like, I got to find it. <laughs> but when I release something, I do that a lot. You know, I'll release it like, with love and right. let it go. Because it's not meant for me to hold on to anymore. So right. let yeah. go with love. I love that phrase. Yeah. Well. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. I, again, I just oh, you're welcome. find that amazing. Awesome. Um, another thing we had talked about before, we, we exchanged quite a few emails, and I just, just want to give you an opportunity to talk about it because we haven't really had a chance to discuss it, is Ho'oponopono Hawaiian yeah. healing. Yeah. And I had mentioned to you that I have utilized that, or maybe it was in you know, one of my podcasts that you had listened to, um, and, and you said you, you love the idea of it. I love it. Um, I don't know where I first learned about it, but years ago I learned about it and I did some online trainings. Um, who's that man? Joe Vitale? Zero Limits. Are you familiar with him and the book Zero Limits? No. So you might want to check that out. It's about, oh, no. that might've been the first one. 
But then I saw, I had two, I, I attended two workshops in Massachusetts. One was with um, Dr. Hulan Ihaliakala. I'm not sure I'm saying his name right. The other one, he wasn't there, but it was the, the organization that I believe he started. And I use, you know, what's more beautiful than these four phrases, right? Yes. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Yes. I know there's more to it than that. But when I use it in, in my office and for myself, just saying those words can bring a sense of calm. And I'd like to share with your listeners, too, something I do with my clients. And it's an adaptation of Ho'oponopono because, you know, there's a lot to it. Right. But, or and... Um, you can use it as a way of creating a more peaceful relationship with your body and saying something like, and again, you may close your eyes. This is often quite powerful with people that I do it with. Again, it's a therapy situation, so there are other things they're dealing with. But sort of say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for all the ways in which I may have to talking to your body, let me back up, I'm sorry. It's connecting with your body and yeah. using an adaptation of Ho'oponopono. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Please forgive me for all the ways in which I have neglected or mistreated you. I love you. Thank you for everything you do for me. And I'll just ask, suggest to keep repeating that. And if somebody has a hard time saying, I love you, that's okay. I'll say, I want to love you. Yeah. I want to love you. And another, another piece to add, I'm sorry for whatever it is, whatever the energy is inside of me that causes me to neglect and mistreat you and to abuse you because it's an energy. Yes. Does this intentionally. There's an energy inside of all of us, obviously. And when you're traumatized, there's a lot of energy that's rooted in trauma and we're not responsible for that. And we're not, you're, you're not always responsible for what you do with it until you learn a different way. You know, not someone believes that, well, this is a choice. Yeah, it's a choice when you're trained in what some other choices can be. Yeah. So it's not so simplistic as, well, you're choosing to, to overeat or you're choosing to not take care of your body. When you learn another way, you'll make another choice. But using those phrases can be very powerful. I'm sorry, please forgive me for all the ways in which I've abused or neglected you and neglected you. I love you, or I want to love you. Thank you for all you do for me. Yes, and I have done that, and I love it. And I just want to reach through and hug you because I think it's wonderful. Because, I, well, I started with, I was having some little heart flutters. Nothing, I ended up going to a cardiologist and I wore the little monitor for 48 hours. And it was just, it was anxiety triggered heart flutters, which everyone has. I'm just hyper, I'm hypersensitive. So I noticed. Um, and so I started doing Ho'oponopono on these flutters and they went away because, but I would say, I am so sorry, heart, if I've not treated you right and not given you the care that you deserve. And I would go through it and do that same thing. And then I was having weight issues and I was like, Oh my gosh, why am I gaining this weight? And so I said, I'm going to do this with my body because, and so I did the, I am so sorry body that I have not given you the attention to give you the right exercise and fueled you properly with the right foods. Um, you know, and I went through the whole thing. I love you. And, um, and I even added, I promise to do better. 
but yeah, it was the, I went through the whole thing. And so, oh my gosh, it's powerful and wonderful. And I love it so much. Oh, Terry, that is so cool that you did that. You do that already. That's great. Thanks for saying that. You know firsthand how powerful these, these things yeah, are. And talking sure. to our bodies. We talk to our bodies, bodies all the time anyway. Using Ho'oponopono and other positive self-loving self-talk feeds your body yeah. loving energy. It thrives on loving energy. Right. Very much so. I lost your volume just a little bit. Hold on. I'm going to pop you up for just a second. There we go. All right. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so caught up in that. I, I've lost my train of thought. So. <laughs> That's okay. I'll throw my favorite question out only because I do it. You know, I have this question for everybody. And so it's the one that's in my head right now. So if you could meet anyone dead or alive to help you along your journey and that whether it's professional, personal, both, um, who would it be? Uh, I think, not I think, I would have loved to have met Paramahansa Yogananda. I've been reading, rereading Autobiography of a Yogi. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda is, was an Indian guru, monk, who I think was born in the late 1800s. He died around 1950, and he started in around 1920, the Self-Realization Fellowship Organization, I guess, in California and then around the world. And why he would be so important, I'm learning so much from this book. You know, I've studied as a professional psychology, human behavior, more recently, neuroscience. Yes. Um, it wasn't something I learned early on. But in my own personal journey, I have adopted a mind, body, spirit, and spiritual life. And what serves me all the time is listening to and connecting with my intuition. And that's certainly not something I learned about in social work school. I'm a clinical social worker. Right. So everything that I teach people around and, and other therapists, you know, the psychological aspects, neurological aspects, interpersonal aspects, all of that is important. And I don't like comparing what's more or less important. At the same time, what is so vitally important is being able to listen to our inner wisdom, because that is where we're going to find our answers. So one of the things I want to help my clients with, and in my writings too, in fact, I, had, I have an audio program called Wise Woman Weight Release, and one of the audios is what I do in my office, but helping people connect with their inner wisdom. Um, because our intuition will, will guide us. And it's so Paramahansa Yogananda, if I could sit down with him, I'd say, tell me about the science of soul. Help me better understand how I can tap into this larger consciousness, which is there. It's inside of all of us. And I think it's underdeveloped. And I'm not sure, you know, science doesn't really even have the tools yet or the, the instruments to measure all of that. Um, so he would be my the person I would want to meet. Yeah, I love that. And I love, I love the idea of science of soul. I know I have a 13 year old daughter, I have older boys, but you know, with the 13 year old daughter, we talk about honoring her intuition and honoring. And I wish we could just teach that to children more of, um, yeah, listening to that, that voice, that inner guidance. Uh, and, I want to add that's especially imp it's important for anybody, all of us. When somebody was traumatized as a child, all sorts of traumas, I know 
you can't compare that. Right. One aspect of sexual abuse that's somewhat, somewhat different is it's a secret. So your feelings can't be talked about, certainly they're not acknowledged, they're not comforted, it's a secret. There's a term in AA, we're as sick as our secrets. And once you begin to release those secrets, it's a whole other pathway to healing. Yes. When there's the secret of sexual abuse, and when your experience may be reinterpreted that, oh, he's just joking, or daddy's just tickling you. I used to hear that all the time from other family members or the non-offending parent. You can't trust your intuition because you're being told what you're feeling isn't true. What you are experiencing, you're misunderstanding that. So that's another reason why, especially for sexual abuse survivors, learning how to access their intuition, their inner voice, and teasing out what's their inner voice and what are other people's voices is really vitally important. important. Um, I meditate pretty regularly, and I suggest my clients to meditate, and I teach them different kinds of meditation. And while we all know meditation is super powerful and important to calm your nervous system, calm your body, relax your body, clear your mind. There are lots of physiological effects. The reason why I started meditating is when I discovered that is probably the one of the best ways to get in touch with your intuition, to access your intuition, to open up that channel to your intuition, not just in the moment of meditation, right? through repeated experiences with it. So that's what... Um, yeah. talk to Paramahansa Yogananda about and why I think that's something that needs to be incorporated in all kind of healing, all kinds of healing work when yes. people are ready when people are ready. I mean, they well, can and I was just, I was just going to ask you about that or, or talk about it is that meditation. It took me a while to get to that place because I was so not comfortable being in my body and with the quiet and with my own thoughts um, and so I had to, obviously EMDR was huge in helping me release so much of my trauma. It took four years, but there we got through it. But it, once I was able to release it and then be okay, be, be calm within my thoughts and, and, and quiet and just that quietness, um, yeah, then meditation. Oh, so very powerful. And mindfulness practices. Um, yeah. It can be hard for sexual abuse survivors to start doing meditation. But there are lots of different kinds of meditation. Obviously, in my office, it's a contained, safe space to begin. Yeah. And some people may not be able to close their eyes. That's okay. Right. Get the spot across the wall, on the floor. Um, when you're ready, close your eyes. One thing that's helpful is a structured meditation, perhaps a counting. Breathe in, out, say to yourself one. Breathe in, out, say to yourself two. Up to seven, for example. You lose count, you go back to one. You reach seven, you start the sequence again. Those are, that's another way to do it. So you'd never start with doing an unstructured 30-minute sitting right. meditation. There are lots of ways to incorporate. And the other thing, too, is... To get in touch with your inner wisdom, this is in one of in the, the Shed Your Pounds of Protection ebook. To just have quiet, self-reflective time. You know, people busy their lives with a lot for lots of reasons. Some because that's just your life and you have to. Otherwise, because the busier you are on the outside, you don't have to listen to what's happening on the inside. Right. So give yourself self-reflective time. It could be five minutes of just 
sitting reading a fun magazine. It could be, you know, we talked on the ACES Connection knitting or a craft, I love knitting, a craft or a, a needlework type um, activity, but something where you're just, you know, sit and have a cup of tea. Yeah. Just to give yourself quiet time. And in that time, when people are ready to close your eyes and say to yourself, please speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say. Or just please speak to me. Yeah. And what can I, what is one loving thing I can do for myself today and let it go? Just say those, ask those questions and let them go. Sometime you'll hear something and sometime you won't at that moment. But those are gentle ways to start making that connection with your true essential self that's there all the time anyway, just waiting for you to find it. Right. Maybe sometimes waving its arms. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Awesome. So is there anything else that you would like to touch upon that we haven't had an opportunity to discuss yet? Uh, A lot of things (laughs) I can think of. So no, not right now, I guess, but thank you for the question. I think, I think we've covered quite a bit, actually. Yeah, we have. And Hopefully, uh, my intention was to share some tools with people who are listening to this and can relate to what we're talking about. So I hope they've experienced some things they can take away from our time together as well. Yes, for sure. Um, so how do people get a hold of you? My website, dianepetrella.com, would be the best way. There's okay. a contact page. That's probably the best way. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I would like to add one thing. Sure. Sorry. Um, People will also often talk about how hard it, how healing is so hard or weight loss is so hard and not minimizing that there's hard work that needs to be done. Right. But, and healing is possible. And, and, you know, the words that we use are so powerful as, as we talked about with the release versus lose. So to begin to, because I'm, I'm wondering if some of what I'm talking about may feel daunting for people and the fears that may come up as they start to release weight. And yes, that's, that may happen. But what also happens is freedom. What also happens is the opportunity to open yourself to loving and accepting yourself. So what also happens is a more confident life. Yeah. It's hard, but when you're climbing a mountain, you can't just say to yourself, this is so hard. I'm so hot or my body feels so um, tired. You're not going to, you're going to get there, but it's going to be a hard journey. Like, okay, it's hard. And I get to see this view. I get to strengthen my body. I get to breathe in this beautiful air. So there's a lot of get to's. It's not just hard. Yes. Yeah. And that's a, that's a mindset of, yeah. Mindset, And I hope it's a hopeful one to leave yeah. me. enjoying enjoying the journey instead of the destination yeah exactly and it can be an easier journey than our minds make it out to be right and i wanted to bring up too um we're doing great on time is you have some programs available yes on your website that yeah i have two audio programs um one i call the inspiration diet was which is they're both visualization i mean they're both audio programs okay materials um and that one is about, you know, it's using visualization to see yourself at your natural ideal weight. And there's also a morning audio with that, where you connect with your body and you say, what do you need from me today? So you will feel loved and well cared for. Aww. So it's that kind of thing. And the other one 
wise woman weight release is about a journey where you're connecting with your it's written it's for women men struggle with this too i get it but this is written this was devised for women so um you normally would connect with your wise woman your wise right. self which for women would generally be um a woman that they're connecting with that you then have a go-to person in your mind to ask questions to ask for guidance and that's you that's what you're capable of that's what your um um, that's your potential, but we don't always know how to access that. So thank you for mentioning that. Those are two audio programs. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to be sure. Again, they popped into my head and I was like, oh, right. so, yeah, listen to my intuition. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to go. Well, <laughs> well this has been wonderful. And um, yes, yeah, just, a, just a treat to have you here with me. And um, Thank you so much. I really appreciate all that you do and I appreciate your invitation. Yes. Well, yeah. Again, thank you. You're shining the light of hope into people's lives, and I just makes my heart smile. So, yeah. You're welcome, and thank you as well. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.